I love that you're praying for the over 50s. We've, uh, we've seen something very similar happen in Bendigo, and we call them the ladies of gold. And for, for about three and a half years, we had no elderly people uh, in our community, and we started praying them in. And then we have about 10 to 15. And they are the most exuberant, zealous, passionate, on fire uh, believers that we have in our community. Like radical. And um, wouldn't you agree, boys? Yeah. There's a few I won't name because we're getting being recorded, but what, what they are stepping into, what they're running with, some of them has, have sat in pews for 40 years and uh, in the last six months to a year have just stepped into something and they don't even recognise themselves. It's, it's wild. It's so good. Um, there's many things happening in Bendigo. I'm, I get overcome by the goodness of God all the time. And... Like Liam shared, we're five and a half years old as a community. We started with four of us and a whole bunch of children. And God just multiplied that. We only meet fortnightly. And uh, part of the mandate on our community is to go. And we live this power in the going. And I'll probably share a bit about that tonight. And so that enables us to come up this weekend because we met last weekend. So we're meeting next Sunday uh, together. But a few weeks ago, we got invited to Canberra. Did anyone follow us on Facebook and saw some of the stuff that happened in Canberra? We literally started to see revival break out in Canberra. We were invited into Parliament House by the chaplain. He took us on a private tour behind the scenes. And we got to pray over the different senators' offices, over the the vice uh, prime minister's office, over the prime minister's office. Uh, We're speaking in tongues down the hallways. Um, Fourteen of us were able to go. And then we started seeing God radically move on the streets. We had one lady get saved. Oh, no, she didn't get get saved on the streets, but they met her three times, and then she comes to the service that night at the church we're invited to. She hasn't been a Christian. She grew up with a Catholic background. No one prayed for her. She went down under the power of God um, at the start of the meeting, and she'd been there for half an hour. I got up to preach, and I'm 10 minutes into preaching, and I realize she's still on the floor. I'm like, is she alive? Like she, what, do you remember this? Dan, Dan was there. I'm like, I don't know if she's alive. We better check. Like maybe she's just gone to heaven. You know, celebrate that if, if that's what's happened. But if not, like, let's find out. So Bertie, one of the guys, comes along and picks up her arm, and he's like literally checking her pulse during the meeting. Oh, like, Bertie, I hope you find a pulse, man. <laughs> like this, this meeting's gonna go really bad otherwise. And um, he goes, yeah, there's a pulse, but she she wasn't waking up. And then for a bit, bit longer, they just. Slapping her a little bit and just shaking her. She comes too, but she's, she's like incoherent. She comes to and she's like, doesn't know where she is. Long story short, she'd been caught up into the heavenly realms for 40 minutes. And we, we pulled her back early. We probably should have left her there. And um, then Joe and Carla, two of our leaders, took her out to the foyer and just uh, spoke with her. And she said, look, I don't know what's happening. I was in the clouds. I was in heavenly realms. Um, they shared the gospel with her. That night at 11 o'clock, she comes back to our Airbnb. She gets baptized and comes out of the water speaking in tongues. Radical. We met a guy on the streets. Francis, one of our worship leaders, was, and he was absolutely crook as a dog. And he goes, I'm going to worship on the streets in the rain in the midst of this. And he's worshiping in the streets on Canberra in the rain. The next day he's completely healed. But that night he met one guy. The next day, we're invited back to their house and we baptized three of them in their own house. And then it got, it got to this thing. It was like, man, it's dangerous to go out. I don't think anyone should leave the house because if we go out, we're going to have to disciple people. 
do we have time for that? And we're like, I don't know. So the last night, a bunch of the guys decided to go out for gelato. Like, guys, you know it's dangerous going on the streets of Canberra. Like, you could lead someone to the Lord. Like, okay, we'll go anyway. So they go about, how many, about six or seven went? Five went? And they, we've got what's called the mobile prayer unit. You may see it in the car park later on. And it was parked near the gelato shop in Canberra. And this guy, Jasper, whose church was shut that night, just drove to like three suburbs from where he normally would be, parked, and he literally parked opposite the mobile prayer unit. He gets out of the, his car and starts banging on the door. My friend Pete Harvey's in there going, oh, no, someone's here to persecute us because, like, of <laughs> the mobile prayer unit. And the guy's like, help me. Are you the mobile prayer unit? Can you pray for me right now? He comes back to our house, back to the Airbnb, gets filled with the Spirit, speaking in tongues, and delivered of, um, of a lustful spirit. Radical. He's now coming to Bendigo in three weeks. He may even stay. We just started to see God move. And uh, with the mobile prayer unit, like, the... The radical thing about this was, in 2020, lockdowns hit, right? I know you guys had it hard here. We had it in Bendigo too. But there's a scripture in Acts 20.20. And Paul says this, I did not shrink back speaking to you publicly and going from house to house. And it was interesting. That it was Acts 20.20. And so we looked at that scripture in, in the year 2020. Wow, we can't meet publicly, but we can go house to house just like Paul did. And so we started, we put on uh, Facebook Marketplace, 67,000 people in Bendigo, I put a post up saying, if you want prayer, deliverance, baptism, healing, you want to hear the gospel, DM me, which means direct message. All the millennials know that, of course. And, <laughs> and um, literally my DMs blew up. We had trolls trolling me. We had a witch's coven set up, cursing us. And then we had a whole bunch of invitations come in to go. And so we started going house to house. One night we went to five houses in one night. We saw healing, deliverance, baptisms. People filled the spirit. They've joined our church. Long story short, we've now been financed to, to do this as an actual job, the mobile prayer unit. And we have five people on staff uh, who lost their jobs during COVID who now work part-time for a whole year, two days a week, going to people's homes, praying for the sick, sharing the gospel. The first house we went to was a young boy who was demonized. That family's now joined the church. The first house as a team. And then obviously we went to Canberra. So God is doing just amazing things. And it's like this wild river and you just jump in and you go with it. And um, we have a building in Bendigo that God's given. We don't pay a cent for. It's right in the heart of the city. We've been there over a year. Some of you guys visited. Yeah. The only thing we don't have is heating. So everyone has to wear their, uh, their puffer jacket on a Sunday, um, which you guys experienced last week. Yep. But he's just doing some amazing things. Yes, he's sovereign. He can move just like that. But actually, he's also invitational. So when we read Acts 20.20 in the year 2020, Paul did not shrink back from going, speaking publicly and going from house to house. We could have just sat back and go, okay, God, you go house to house. You take care of it. No, COVID and the lockdowns became an invitation for the church to step up. And when we partnered and we started to go out, doors just started to supernaturally open. And I have a very deliberate word this morning. And I feel that the word for this church and this community and people here is God's calling you up higher. He is. He's calling you up higher. And where you've plateaued, where you've actually maybe become stagnant or where you've, where you've gone, oh, I'll just settle here. No, he's calling you up higher. 
And I want to encourage you right now. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the what? The Word. Now, there's three dimensions of the Word. There's the Logos, which is what? Anyone know? The written. There's the Rhema, the now speaking Word of God. And there's Jesus, the living Word, the manifestation of the Word, the Word that became flesh. Now, when it says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word, it doesn't actually say whether it's the Logos, the Rhema, or the living. So you have an invitation there to take all three. So right now, you're going to receive the written Word, the Logos, you're going to have the Holy Spirit speaking the rhema word. And let's believe that there'll be a manifestation of the living word. And faith will come by hearing. And what will happen is in the next half an hour, your faith is going to be in a different dimension. I guarantee that. But it's up to you whether you will receive that and expect that right now. He finds joy in our expectation. It's Proverbs 13 verse 12. It says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it's a tree of life. And so right now, maybe there's been hope put off, hope deferred, hope set aside. You've become disappointed. You've stuck in a cycle. It's like your feet are stuck in mud. I saw for that for some of you, your feet are stuck in mud. I even felt, I had a few words here. There's cycles that are going to be broken today. Where some of you are stuck in cycles, that's going to break. And it could be a cycle of addiction. It could be a cycle of just, just thinking could be a cycle of sin. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die to forgive you of sin. He died to completely free you from it. And there's a big difference, but you get to choose which one you subscribe to. I know which one I'll choose. I also saw people that have come under witchcraft and you've failed it, or you've, you've failed it, but you haven't been able to discern what it is. And it's actually been witchcraft in the sense of things have been spoken over you, over your marriage. You've been having fights in your marriage and you don't know why. I've experienced that myself with my wife. And every time we can tie it back to there's been elements of witchcraft. God's going to break that today. Those who have felt stuck in the mud, your feet have felt heavy, you felt like you can't move forward, that's going to break today. You're coming up higher. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. But when the desire comes, it becomes a tree of life. That tree of life is not just for you. A tree does what? Provides shade, provides shelter. It says the kingdom is like a tree where birds come and rest. Hope's going to be restored. But there's a next level of hope. It says faith is the what? The, anyone know? Substance of things what? Hoped for. So hope is like something in the distance. I hope for this one day. I hope I'm going to be a millionaire. I believe that. I hope one day... I'm going to go to the nations, which I have been. I hope this is going to happen, but hope is in the distance. Hope is something you look forward to. But faith grabs a hold of hope and brings it into the now. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. So I want to encourage you right now. We're going to, we're going to see hope restored, but we're going to go beyond hope, and we're going to move into an element of faith where you lay a hold of those things that you've hoped for and bring them into the now. Hope is the manifestation, the reality of what you hope for. Who's with me? Yeah? Awesome. All right, if you have your Bibles, open them up. I'll grab my glasses. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Yeah, we just take authority over this place. 
God, we thank you that you reign supreme. We thank you for unity of the spirit. God, we thank you for this family, this community. We thank you that your word is alive and active and sharp. Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word. Father, we thank you that we're going to lay a hold of hope and bring it into the now. We thank you for the, in the next half an hour, there is going to be a significant shift in people's lives, a measurable shift in people's lives. Cycles will be broken. Thank you, Father. All right. Psalm 24, verse 1 to 4. Don't worry about the distraction. It's totally fine. I'm not worried. If I'm not worried, you don't need to be worried, right? I'll speak louder. I have the microphone. They don't. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 24, verse 1 to 4 says this. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The world and all who live in it. For he founded it on the seas and established it on the waters. Amen. Verse 3. Now it says this. Who may ascend to the mountain, or your translation may say, the hill of the Lord. So it's invitational. Who may go up higher? Right? Who may go up to the mountain? Who may go up to the hill of the Lord? And we see the answer to that question. Well, it goes on and says, who may stand in his holy place? Then verse 4 says this. The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. The one who does not trust in an idol or swear by a false god. So there's a requirement to go up higher. What is it? Clean hands, a pure heart, and trust in the Lord. Those three things together will take you higher. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may go up higher? Who may be elevated? Who may live above the snake line? Ephesians 2.6 says you are seated right now where? In the heavenly realms. So you're bilocational. Yes, you're here on earth, but you're also seated right now in the heavenly realms. Your spirit. So to understand where we're seated, we need to know where Jesus is seated. Because you're seated with who? With Jesus, with him, Ephesians 2, 6 says. So where's Jesus seated? In the heavenly realms, but whereabouts? At the right hand of the Father. And it says you're seated with him. Now, you're not seated beside him. You're not seated below him. You're not at his feet. You're seated with him at the right hand of the Father. That's where you sit right now. The right hand speaks of what? Yep. What else? Yep. The right hand speaks of the authority and the power of God. You are seated right now in that place of all authority and all power. Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me, and he gave that to the disciples. So whether you like it or not, when you were born again, when you were baptized in water, when you received the Spirit in John 3, it says you, not just, you didn't just see the kingdom, but you entered the kingdom when Jesus speaks to Nicodemus. So you have transitioned, been translated into the kingdom right now. But sometimes your soul realm, your emotions say, oh, I don't feel like I'm living like that. No, it doesn't matter what you feel like. That's where you are. At the right hand. So we're going to go up higher to that place. Who may ascend the hill of the Lord? Clean hands, a pure heart, and one who does not trust in idols. So let's, let's look at what a clean, uh, clean hands mean. Clean hands is an outward action. 
A pure heart is an inward motive. Your clean hands respond from your inward motive. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who has, he who has outward actions that are clean and an inward motive that is pure, may ascend. What happened in Exodus? Moses went up to what? Mount Sinai. While he's up there, the Israelites start freaking out. They go to Aaron. Hey, Moses isn't coming back. What's going on? He's like, oh, I don't know. He's, something's happening up there. And they go, well, let's, let's forget about God. And just remember, this is the God who they saw with the cloud, of, cloud, of, uh, the cloud by day, the pillar of fire by night, split the Red Sea, the plagues, delivered them from Egypt. And these Israelites are like, well, let's forget about Moses now. They forget about God and they do what? They grab the earrings of gold of the Israelites and they build a golden calf. And they start worshipping an idol. And we see simply just like that, in one generation, the, the, the goodness and the deeds of God are forgotten. And they go into idols. Moses comes down with the what? Tablets of stone, the Ten Commandments. You see, one thing we've been looking at in our community is, is truth. And truth is either subjective or objective. And right now in our day, truth is becoming subjective. Let me just tell you the difference between the two. Truth that is objective. Truth that is objective is something that is true for everyone, whether they agree with it or not. Or it doesn't matter even how you feel. Subjective truth is based on a person's feelings, taste, or opinions. I want to tell you right now, we are not looking at subjective truth. It's objective. John 16 verse 13 says, He, the Holy Spirit, will lead and guide you into all truth. I want to tell you right now, as we dive into truth, as you come up higher to who you actually are, who you've been created to be as a son and daughter, grafted into the kingdom, there's three ways that you can measure truth, at least, as a starting point. The Bible says that you will know the truth and it will do what? Set you free. That word know in the Greek means to have an intimate experience with. You'll have an intimate experience with, and it will, with truth and it will set you free. Sometimes I, I often hear that, that verse shortened and the truth will set you free. That's not true. Truth can be right in front of you and you can be completely bound. It says you will know the truth. You'll have an intimate experience with truth and it will set you free. The first way that you can begin to measure truth is how free are you? The more free that you, you become... It's a measuring stick to the truth that you're walking in. So right now, the first way to measure truth is either, is what I'm hearing when Jason's speaking, is it bringing condemnation or is it setting me free? If it's setting me free, then I can actually probably take that what he's saying to be true. If it's bring, bringing condemnation, I need to reevaluate how I'm measuring truth. So the first way to measure truth is, is it setting you free or is it binding you up? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. Right? He was truth personified. He is truth personified. The second way to measure truth is what's being shared, what's being spoken, is it pointing to Jesus? Is it magnifying him? 
right? Because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So it's first way, is it binding me up or setting me free? Secondly, is it pointing to Jesus or is it pointing to a man? And then in Romans chapter 8, verse 16, it says this, the Holy Spirit himself testifies with our spirit. When truth is being spoken, your spirit will bear witness to what is being said. And there'll be an innate knowing, is what being said true or false? So even right now as I'm speaking, there's an innate knowing inside of you as your spirit and the Holy Spirit partner together and your spirit will bear witness to either what is being said to be true or to be false. Right? So with those three things right now, as we jump into this word, that'll be your measuring stick. Like Paul said, be like the Bereans, test the word, search it out. Don't just believe everything it's said. Is it setting you free? Is it pointing to Jesus? Is my spirit bearing witness? Is that okay? Awesome. Clean hands and a pure heart, outward action, inward motive, trust in the Lord. Take us up higher. Each one of you are here for a reason. Each one of you have had some type of encounter, some type of invitation. Some of you are saved, some of you may not be, I don't know. Each one of you, to a degree, have experienced the goodness of God. That goodness of God is an invitation to trust in Him. The Israelites saw the goodness of God firsthand in miraculous signs and wonders, yet they chose an idol. God, he's invitational. He, create, he gave you free will. You get to choose right now. We're going to go higher. I'm going higher. The invitation is, will you come with me? Will you come up? Because some of you go, oh, well, clean hands, a pure heart. How do I have a pure heart? Yes, my spirit's saved, but my mind, my will, and emotions are all over the place. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just save you to get your ticket to heaven. He completely ratified your whole being. The Bible says the Spirit brings life to your mortal body. How far can you take that? Well, that's up to you. The Bible says Moses Moses in an inferior covenant says his eyesight was not dim and his faculties were intact. If Moses had that in an inferior covenant, what can you have in a better covenant? Where the spirit that lives in you brings life right now to your very being. A regeneration of cells. Healing. It's up to you. It's invitational. How far can you take it? So it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have a sincere love for one another, love each other deeply from a pure heart. You have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. It says there, now that you have purified yourselves, is that past, present, or future tense? Past. Now that you have purified yourselves, by what obedience to the truth? The subjective truth or the objective truth? The objective truth that is not dependent on your emotions or how you feel. The objective truth that brings freedom. The objective truth that will ratify the way that you live. You have 
been purified. You have purified yourselves. And it goes on. So that you would have sincere love for one another. Love one another deeply from a pure heart. Some of you are going, well, yeah, I'm saved, but I don't feel pure. I still sin. I still have bad thoughts. My emotions are all over the place. But how can Peter write that? That you can love one another from a pure heart if it wasn't possible. Going up higher is actually laying a hold of the revelation that I do have a pure heart. That when he saved me, he set me free. That when he saved me, it was my spirit, yes, was born again. I went from corruptible to incorruptible. And my mind, will, and emotions, my soul realm was completely washed. See, as soon as you go, ah, oh, my soul's not pure, you're taking truth and making it subjective. Because you're basing it on your emotions. Love your, uh, sorry, you have purified yourselves to the obedience of the truth. Have a sincere love for one another from a pure heart. It's not prideful to have it say, I've got a pure heart. It's total humility. It's nothing I did on my own ability. I acknowledge it was him. I see his fingerprints all over my life. I did nothing to obtain righteousness. The Bible said Jesus fulfilled the law and made righteousness available to all who would what? Believe. He paid the price. Now it's up to you to choose. It's up to your belief system. Are you choosing objective or subjective? So right there, the invitation or the, the requirements to go higher. Clean hands and a pure heart. Well, the Bible says in 1 Peter in the New Covenant, you have a pure heart through the obedience of the truth. You have such a pure heart that you can love one another deeply. That's such a powerful thing in community. In Philippians 2, it says, prefer one another. Philippians 2, 2, I believe it is. Do you know what happens in that, in that, 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 that revelation of preferring one another? Is that, so we have maybe 100 people here, 80 people, 100 people. When you live in a community that says, I will prefer one another, I will lay down my life and prefer one another, You don't no longer need to take care of your own needs. Why? Because it becomes exponential. You have 80 people looking out for you. That's what we're championing in our community, to prefer one another, to love one another. So that within your nature, we have about 80 people. I have 80 people now looking out for my needs and preferring me. So I don't need to prefer myself. But I also get the invitation now to prefer 80 other people. So it becomes exponential. That's the beautiful thing of God. He says it's a 30, 60, 100-fold return. So you have a pure heart. And it says clean hands and a pure heart and not trust in idols. So what happens when you understand and you receive the revelation that, yeah, my heart's pure through the beads of the truth? Your actions then change. Your outward actions, your hands actually become clean. So that we tick, tick. The last thing is what? Not to trust in idols. Not to trust 
in things made of human hands. Romans 14, 17, Paul tells us what the kingdom is and what the kingdom isn't. He said the kingdom is not a matter of eating and drinking. What's he saying with that? He's saying it's not a matter of things that be consumed, corrupted, emptied, run out, decayed, moldy. But it is a matter of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. See, when you were born again, you saw the kingdom and you were translated into the kingdom. You were over here, the pendulum was here, you had a sin nature. It says when you were born in this world, you were born into sin. But when you were born again, you were born into the kingdom. The pendulum actually swung hard the other way. It didn't stay in the middle and you wrestled between the old and the new. Ephesians 4.24 says, put on your new nature, created to be like him, righteous and holy. It is a good name for a church. So this, your default setting right now, when you were born again, born into the kingdom, is righteousness, peace and joy. You're actually prone to righteousness. You're prone to having a pure heart. You're prone to good deeds. You're prone to clean hands. You're prone to trusting in the Lord. It's not this thing of, I need to try harder to have a clean heart. No. It's done. The pendulum swung hard this way. Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You are going to understand that peace and joy in the kingdom are no, no, no longer a natural emotion. They're a spiritual dimension. Because why? It's in the Spirit. So your joy is no longer de- dependent on your circumstance or your situation. Your joy is dependent on just living in the kingdom. It's a spiritual dimension you've now stepped into. The peace that you have is not dependent on your situation or circumstance. The peace that you have says will pass understanding. Why? Because it's experiential. It's to be known, felt, touched, and experienced. It doesn't make sense. You can, you can actually live in such peace that your mind cannot even comprehend it. That stuff will be going on in your life. You go, right now, I should be freaking out. But you're not. Why? Because that's not who you are. You're actually prone to have such a peace that no matter the situation or circumstance, it will not make sense, but I'll walk in this peace anyway. Clean ha- pure heart gives clean hands. Pure heart and clean hands together puts your trust in God. Isaiah 55 verse 9. Keep an eye on the time. For as... For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Who's he talking about there? Who's who's David talking about? Whose thoughts are higher? Whose ways are higher? Who's he talking about? It's not a trick question. (laughs) It's not the devil, right? (laughs) God, right? The Father. He's saying, for as the heavens are higher than the earth, so... Are my ways, that's God speaking, no, sorry, not David. My ways are higher than your ways. My thoughts are greater than your thoughts. Hmm. People grab that scripture and they make an excuse for the way that they live. Oh, his ways are higher than my ways, so I'm just going to live like this because it says my ways are lower than his. Oh, it says his thoughts are greater, so I'm going to have lesser thoughts because the Bible says his thoughts are greater, so it just means I'm going to have lesser thoughts. And so it becomes an excuse and a ticket for people to stay at a lower frequency or living at a lower level. Right? 
And, but it's true. Yeah, his thoughts are greater. His ways are higher. But do you know what the Bible says? In Psalm 103 verse 7, it says this. He made his ways known to Moses. His ways may be higher, but guess what? He's made them available for you to walk in. So this removes the excuse for you to live in a lesser way. So you've got to take that scripture. Yeah, acknowledge that his ways are greater. His thoughts are greater. But guess what? He's pulling you up to where he is. He made his ways known to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. Yeah, his ways are greater. But guess what? He's saying, come up to my way. Come up higher. And in 1 Corinthians 2.16... For who can know the Lord's thoughts? Who knows enough to teach him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. So the reality is, the excuse that you have, oh, his, his thoughts are greater, you've got to remove that and go, yeah, my thoughts are his thoughts, his thoughts are my thoughts. They are greater, but guess what? He's pulled me up to that place. Where my ways are his ways and my thoughts are his thoughts. Does that make sense? Amen. Jonathan, if you wouldn't mind just jumping on the keys. Okay, you can <laughs> just some just some pads. Just some pads would be awesome. You can jump on them if you want, but yeah, it's probably not a good idea. Who's ever painted a house before? Anyone? Yeah. yeah. I've done a few renos in my time. And I remember painting a, one of our, it was a rental property and we sold it. And you go into the house and you go, oh, these, white, these walls are white. Go, I need to buy white paint. So you go to Bunnings and go, all right, I've, I've got this house, it's this size. The walls are white. Can I have some white paint? Exactly. You get back home. You start painting a wall and you realize, oh, the walls aren't white. They're actually cream or an off yellow. But I lived in that house for five years and I thought the walls were white. It wasn't until it was actually mirrored against pure white that I realized that what I was living in wasn't actually white. This is what happens with truth. We can be living in a, in a situation, in a cycle, in a, situ- a circumstance. My God, this is the right way to live. This is the way. This is how I'm to think. This is how I'm to walk. But sometimes it's not until it's compared to the reality of a higher way or a high thinking or Jesus that you realize, oh my goodness, the last five years, what I thought was true actually wasn't. I need to come up higher. So we bought white paint just to fix up some holes and we ended up having to paint the whole house because the paint was white and we needed to, well, you know what I mean. See, the gospel is a two-edged sword. The gospel will bind the demonic, but it will set you free. The gospel will convict, yet it will save the gospel is offensive, yet it's attractive. It's simple, yet profound. Exclusive, yet inclusive. 
The gospel will divide, but it will also unite. It's free, but at the same time, it'll cost you everything. There's a price to pay. We talked about Ephesians 2.6, being seated in the heavenly realms. Who here has ever heard that you would have heard the, the connotation worldview? Who's heard that worldview, those words? Yeah. Who here has a worldview? All right. Some of you? Okay. The rest of you don't? Maybe? No? There's a reality in society going, well, this is my worldview, that's your worldview. But when you were translated, translated into the kingdom and seated in the heavenly realms, you actually forfeited your worldview for a kingdom view. You actually see, not from a worldly perspective, but from a kingdom perspective. Just imagine walking through the streets of Melbourne, past the, sorry, Jay, you had a worldview, but I just destroyed that. <laughs> he put his hand up, got him. Oh, you didn't put your hand up. You did, okay, awesome. Okay, there you go. <laughs> yeah, of course it was. When you're walking through the streets of Melbourne and you see the skyscrapers, they look huge, right? When you're at ground level looking up. But when you're flying in a plane over those same skyscrapers, they just look like a little dot. See, even right now, like problems, situations in the natural can look huge. But from that kingdom view, just a little minute dot. That's where you're seated. You're coming up higher. His ways. His thoughts. You've forfeited your worldview. You have a kingdom view. Thank you, Jesus. Can we stand to our feet? They say that the first casualty of war is truth. I love it, this house. I love this community that you're pursuing righteousness, the truth of the gospel, the fullness of the finished work of the cross. And this, this, this reality brought such a transformation in my life and many in our community. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Psalm 61 verse 2, it says this, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Going up higher. Psalm 40 verse 2, out of the miry clay and you set my feet upon the rock. He is the, the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone is the first stone that's laid and everything else is measured from that stone. 1 Peter 2.5, it says, you are what? Living stones being built together as the house of God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Put your hands out in front of you. Just position yourself. The, body, the Bible says in Thessalonians, we are spirit, soul, and body, and that we've been sanctified and kept blameless until the coming of the Lord Jesus. Whoa. All right, perfect timing. Okay, we'll take that. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> Maybe it's a child playing with the switches. I don't know. The mood lighting. Thank you, Father. The words I had, let me just read them again. 
Today, God's going to break cycles. Romans 12, 2 says, Do not conform to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. The more that your mind's renewed, the more that transformation you can have. He's going to break cycles of thinking. Cycles of where you've actually believed less of yourself in the sense of who you are as a son and daughter. Cycles in patterns of behavior, cycles in, uh, in patterns of sin, cycles in patterns of addiction, it's going to go. He's going to pull you out of the mud where your feet have become stuck. He's going to pull you out and set your feet upon the rock, take you to higher ground. Where you've felt elements and dimensions of witchcraft being spoken over you, over your marriage, that's going to break today. Even as I said that, some of you have had maybe some arguments and you go, wow, that's, this is unusual for us to be acting like this. I actually believe it's something that's been spoken over you that needs to break right now. The last thing, I just saw, heard the words shame and secrecy. You see, there's a massive difference between condemnation and conviction. Shame and condemnation go together. And shame and condemnation say this, that me as a person is bad. Conviction says this, the action that I did was bad, but me as a person is not. And some of you have actually mistaken conviction for condemnation. Conviction just brings you closer to Him. Condemnation causes you to withdraw. Thank you, Father. So as the mood lighting is just settled and you guys are just there. See, the, the reason I ask you to stand and put your hands out is just in the kingdom, it's so opposite to the world. In the kingdom, you obtain victory by fighting. In the world, you obtain victory by fighting. In the kingdom, you obtain victory simply by surrender. It's so upside down, but it's the right way at the same time. And we are spirit, soul, and body. And when we position our body like this, we're actually coming into alignment with our spirit and soul also and saying, here I am. It's just a posture of surrender before the Lord. It's a posture. Because the Bible says your body is the temple. It's a vessel. And just open yourselves up right now. Just make yourself available. Thank you, Father. Your ways are higher, your thoughts are greater, but you're inviting us up to that place to know your ways. To know your ways in marriage, to know your ways in business, to know your ways in raising children, to know your ways in walking with you. And your thoughts are greater, but you said you've given us the mind of Christ to be able to know these thoughts. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to just open up the altar. Now, tonight we're going to go deep. We're going to build on this. And I have a specific word uh, and surround, I think it's in Acts 7. And it talks about when they gathered, it said people dared not join them. And I want to just um, build on that tonight. What was happening in the New Testament church in their meetings where it said people dared not join them. But there's a key in the next verse, which I won't share right now. You have to wait for tonight. That actually helps open up that reality. So if you, if you felt stuck, if you felt in a cycle, if you felt your feet have been in the mud, if you felt elements of witchcraft being spoken over you, if you felt shame or secrecy, I want, you, I want to invite you at the front right now. Well, there we go. Perfect timing again. I don't know what's going on.
Anyway. <laughs> I want to invite you at the front because often faith demands an action. You can sit there and receive and go, oh, I'll appropriate that word, I'll apply it. But sometimes there's an element of vulnerability and faith going, oh, I hear it. For me to receive it, I'm going to now step forward. I want to invite you to take that step and just come out the front. Don't hesitate. There's no pressure either. If you felt that, that yeah, this word has carried weight and your spirit has borne witness to truth, just come out the front. Thank you, Jesus. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15 to 18. Let me read this. This is Paul writing. Well then, what shall I do? I will pray in the Spirit, and I'll also pray in words. They're the language of the day. I will sing in the Spirit, and I will sing with words I understand. Now Paul's writing there about public and private gatherings. That he'll, he'll pray in the Spirit, and he'll pray in his known language. He'll sing in the Spirit, and he'll sing in his known language. We have seen measurable shift and change in the last six to eight weeks by praying in the Spirit, by singing in the Spirit. I, I, if I was to list, the, I'd be here for another hour. If I was to list the testimonies, and I know these boys have even experienced some of them themselves. Incredible breakthrough with divine appointments, stuff that's been orchestrated that you could not do in your own ability. Financial breakthrough that's blowing our mind. Healings. So I want to just encourage you right now. If you're not at the front, just reach out your hand towards those that are here. And just begin to engage right now in the Spirit. Just begin to just sing in English or sing in tongues. Either pray in English or pray in tongues right now. But whatever you do, you're not here to spectate. Because the kingdom of God is a full contact sport, not for spectators. So you're standing for and with your brothers and sisters right now. Because they're responding to a call to go higher. They're responding to see a shift happen in their family, in their marriage. They're responding, right? And some of you aren't at the front, but you know you want to be. Just, Father, I just command right now the embarrassment and the shame to come off. I thank you for vulnerability to come and receive and stand, Father, for breakthrough. Stand to see cycles broken. Stand to see a shift and to stand in their identity. God, that they would stand with the pure heart and clean hands and they would go up higher to the hill and the mountain of the Lord this morning. For them, for their marriage, for their family, for their children.